You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Guys, good morning. Uh, delighted you're with us. Um, just for those of you that joined us a bit later in the room, want to say um, such a joy to have Sam leading worship with us this morning. This guy... Um, who's carried so much history and heritage in the, in the vineyard, and he knows Jesus. And for Steph and I personally, he's taught us so much, he's showed us so much. I remember some of our early days of just, I was so broken, and being in environments where you're experiencing and delighting yourself in the presence of God and being led towards the throne room is an incredible thing. We don't have celebrities, we don't make celebrities, but we do have well-known saints, and we, we're delighted to have him with us in that context. Equally, I just wanted to say for those of you that just joined us, the thing that always kills me more than many other things is when, when we lose the words, because some of you, you don't know the words, and that reduces your accessibility, and uh, the, I just thank you to the production team who do everything within them constantly normally seamlessly to make it happen the projector failed then the tv that they replaced it with failed yeah i mean you can't quite account for these things i remember as a <clears throat> as a young kid just finding it so awkward when i didn't know the words so i just uh, here's a little trick for you um, not that you do it here but i just used to repeatedly say bacon and eggs i don't know why but that <laughs> mouth that mouth shape just actually fills virtually every formation that you need i think that declaration over myself has created something that became a different sort of egg but that bacon and eggs has become a thing so um i'm not saying you need to do that but just throw away for you there um equally i love it where our stuff goes wrong that it creates space for the presence of god and just an awareness of the presence of god in the room and i'm aware because you become aware of these things some of you just felt um like oil on your hands and some of you oil almost been poured down your heads and so I say that now just because for ministry time, I think there is an anointing and a healing that is released in this environment where we're, um, the power of God is in the presence of God and we place ourselves in his presence and we worship him and he always shows up. Um, last, last week I started a series based on, on the book of James. James is a really short book. If you haven't got a Bible, I'd love to give you one, help you get one. James is such a short book. If you could, it'd help you to read it. It's five chapters, 108 verses. If you haven't read a book from start to finish, it's a short one. I want to encourage you to. I want to encourage you to keep track of this series. We're going on a journey. I am excited for what the Lord is doing at the minute. I know for some of you there's hard times, there's challenges. Uh, Last week I talked about trials and temptations. I know there's stuff for many of you that is hard and draining and burdensome, and yet we hold the tension. I love what God is doing among us. I love what is happening around the world i love what's happened in asbury this almost outpouring among some students that has then spread and start in flames and sparks in multiple places to see that happening and to see the growth and the fingerprints of god among us in this community is a beautiful thing and then i read this passage that we're going to look at today in james and i got zapped all over again because so much of what we're about and so much of what we're called to is obedience And I read today's bit, and I just want to draw this thing from the book of James this morning. But if I could sum it up in just in one sentence, it's kind of this, that as as followers of Jesus, we should receive God's word humbly, we should remember it constantly, and we should obey it wholeheartedly. Last week was about faith, faith, not faith, faith that perseveres. This week really is about faith that obeys. There's, there's, there's kind of one thing that I'd say about faith that obeys, 
And um, one thing that's really a challenge about it is, is, is that we actually have to do it. We have to be obedient. We have to be obey. We have to submit. We have to follow. We have to conform. And we have to surrender because that's what obedience is. And I, I guess the hard thing about saying that, if you actually think about it, is that this isn't about me. This isn't about you and what we want or I want, what I think, how I want to live. This is about God and doing his will and dying to ourselves and him living in us. Now, I don't know, maybe to you that sounds easy. Like we say it quite easily, hey, let's pack up, go home and come back next week. But I think this is really not simple because I want to do some of it, not all of it. I want to do the bits that I like and the bits that I want and the other bits... Sometimes I'd rather nobody tells me, nobody notices, and nobody speaks into. It's kind of like you do you, I'll do me, I'll do my life, my way, and my thinking. And that, honestly, is just half the gospel. Because he calls us to obedience, and he calls us to a faith that obeys not just hearing about it, but doing it and being changed by it and living it out. And God has given us this pattern for living that he wants us to adopt. And a load of that is in, in the Bible. And the three things that I want to look at and pull out today from, from James are, are kind of what I said, that we receive the word of God humbly, we remember the word of God constantly and we obey the word of God wholeheartedly we receive we remember we obey we receive we remember we obey we never want to rest content in simply hearing the word of God and not acting in on it we don't want to put off God even when it's challenging we want to obey him no matter what and knowing that the obedience to his word is critical to us so let's have a quick look we're going to look at James chapter 1 verse 19 to 25 if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me? But it says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the kind of righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully <coughs> into the perfect law that sets you free, you will do what it says and don't forget what you heard. And then God will bless you for doing it. In verse 1 to 18, we looked at last week, we tried to answer the question, how do you respond to trials? Now, the, the next section that we kind of look at is how do we respond to truth? How do we respond to God's word? Based on James 1, 19 to 25, I just see these three things that I mentioned that we're going to look at this morning. So the first is this, we receive the word of God humbly. In James 119, James says, be quick to hear. He's, he's kind of saying, look, hurry up and listen. Most of us, if we thought about it, we'd, we'd, we'd normally have the unction to, to almost do the opposite. It's like, hurry up and let me speak. You finish what you're saying because it's my turn and I'm ready to say the thing that I need to say. So 
This is saying, hurry up and listen. James also tells us to be quiet. He's almost like, be, be slow to speak. Again, I think it's the cultural opposite of what we often experience. Be humble as you approach the word of God, not coming with your defenses up, which leads to an anger and a resistance to his word. Don't, don't we often approach God's word and we're talking rather than listening? Do you find that? Maybe it's just me. It's like, this is what I think rather than what you want to say. Don't we often think, Come in, here's, what, here's what I want it to say rather than what it does say. Don't we often come looking almost to justify ourselves? Here's the way I want to live, so then I read this out of this thing. We're, we're like people in an argument who are not really listening to the other, but we're so consumed with formulating what we're going to say in response. We're, we're not easily quick to hear and slow to speak. We hear a verse like, Luke 12, verse 33, and it says this, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And maybe we're thinking, well, how do I get around that? And this has kind of been true for God's people throughout history. Instead of humbly listening to the word, often they resist it. It was the response of God's people to the prophets in the Old Testament who proclaimed God's word. It was to Jesus who spoke the words of the Father, and it was to Paul as he preached in the synagogues. James says to the people of God, be quick to hear. Then in verse 21, he tells them to get rid of all evil and filth in their lives. That, that word... Is, is translated getting rid, is literally taking off. It's like removing of a garment. I used to um, work on a cow farm when I was younger, and you'd get up quite close to the cows, and you'd be in and around their living conditions, and regardless of their age or stage of each individual cow, everyone I ever met and ever had the pleasure of working with, not one single cow had fully grasped or understood what it meant to be potty trained. Honestly, I just, I've never met one that knew what to do in the right way. And so they kind of do this thing wherever they want, however they want. And um, generally, I would say, this is just my assessment, they're pretty smelly animals. And uh, particularly in the winter months, they'd store them in the barn rather than have them out in the field. Anyway, it's not particularly pleasant, but you kind of start to smell like them. And uh, that's not ideal, I would say, because your clothes stink, but you stink. And so you'd go back for lunch and you'd take your boots off outside in the outside area thing. And then you'd move to this other outside area where you'd kind of take off your overalls and you'd still stink. And you'd use this like swarfiga thing to try and get it off your hands and you'd still stink and you'd have a shower and sometimes multiple showers. And sometimes I, I kind of remember this because as, as a teenager, it was almost a bit awkward, but you'd go out wherever you are and you'd, you'd be in the supermarket or whatever. And you just kind of notice that a few people were doing what we've now become familiar with, like with those social distancing thing. And you're like, surely after three days and like five showers and a lot of swarfiga, I do not smell of cows. And um, sometimes I think that, that we, we, we start to stink, like almost embedded into our skin, we stink of the stuff that we associate with. And some of the things we need to not be associating with. And some of the things we just need to increase our awareness of the impact that it's having on us. We live in a deeply, deeply sexualized society the language, the jokes, the time allocation. And we bring so many ideas from the world that the Bible confronts and it counters. 
And the Bible thinks so differently to so much of the world. And James tells us to put aside the sinful and selfish ideas of the world and to humbly accept the word. And when I read passages in a book like James about the poor and the way we spend our resources, in fact, I don't, I don't do this now, but I think I once did, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reminded that sometimes I'm almost like, I want to get round them. Surely that's not for me. Surely that's just a general broader principle for some of us. How do I get around it? The second part of verse 21 gives us really good news as James talks about this thing that the word of God is implanted in you. It's like embedded in you. It says this, so get rid of the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is, that has the power to save your souls. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, literally planted in you. In every apple, there is a seed for the next one. We almost have to have this thing embedded in us that causes something to grow in our hearts. Jeremiah 31, I think, helps us to kind of grasp what James is referring to when he talks about the word implanted. Jeremiah and the, the, the prophet was speaking to the, to the people who were not living up to God's law. In fact, they couldn't keep it at all. And Jeremiah gives them this, this promise and the promise of a, of a new covenant. Let me just read it to you. It says this, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. It says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke the covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. According to Jeremiah's prophecy, God's going to write the law on the hearts of his people. He's going to plant it in their hearts to use some of what I think James's language is. Ezekiel 36 says kind of the same thing, but in such beautiful, almost poetic language. Ezekiel 36 verse 24 says this. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and to be careful to, to obey my regulations. God puts his law in, his, in our hearts, we see in Jeremiah. And he puts his spirit in our hearts, we see in Ezekiel. The spirit of God, through the word of God, moves us. The language of James, verse 18 and 21, so beautiful that God has planted his word in us. And our hearts find life in his word, like the, the blood that almost flows through our body and through our hearts. We need the word, and the, the word is planted in us, and it causes us to action. It almost fuels us to action. That's kind of the heart of James. We work, and we put our faith into action, yes, but we do this by the word that is at work in our hearts, the word that has given us life 
and gives us life. Verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. The word actually literally gives us life. You know, um, Steph at the minute is studying and it's killing us. The little margin we didn't have has completely gone. But honestly... The word is giving us life. I can see in her, literally, the word of God is giving her life. The, the vineyard is about to launch some stuff in April that's going to, I think it's going to feed us and fuel us. Some of you are going to want to jump at it. It's highly accessible and quite exciting. Some just more easy access for every person to theology. We also have, as a movement, a partnership with WTC. Honestly, some of you need to push into this more and push into this further. We've got to equip ourselves. We've got to embed ourselves. We've got to drink deeply of the word. As you accept this word, and you humbly submit to it, your soul experiences the depths of salvation. Don't underestimate the power and the importance of the word of God. Do you long to receive this word? Because it should be a cherished, treasured possession. I just want to stir it in us afresh today. Some of us need to get rid of the filth and the evil of worldliness that draws us away from that saving power of the word. Receive the word humbly. You know, we were away a week before last, and honestly, I just had this moment where I realized that some of my Bible reading had actually become quite routine. It wasn't wrong. It's not unhealthy. I'm not trying to say I was in a bad place. I just used the same reading plan for about three years because in year one, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I'm going to do it again. And then I did it again. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually still doing it because I have loved quite a methodical in-season, out-of-season thing that just daily feeds me and nourishes me. But it becomes so comfortable to me. I'd kind of built this little house and I decided to live in it in a safe and a comfortable place. And whilst we're away, it's often actually when you get away and you just have those moments of space and you can change and reset your rhythms and when you retreat, it allows you then to advance, I, I kind of stuck, took a step back and I just reflected and I, I realised I needed more. It just becomes so routine and just so methodical and almost a bit dry and I wanted to be thirsty again. And I started doing this little study that was just based around the life of Jesus on top of some of the other stuff that I was doing and it just gave me life again. It was just like flowing again and just a few passages each day that just takes you on this specific journey of just looking at the face of Jesus. Psalm 119 verse 103, how sweet your words taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations he got me all over again all over again and Ephesians 4 verse 1 we say it so often but I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling can I beg you to do something else not just a life worthy of your calling I, I want to beg you today don't settle for reading your bible on your phone honestly get a bible get a real proper paper Bible, feel its pages, how sweet your words taste to me, your commandments give me understanding, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, NIV is not just do international version, it's necessary in vineyard, honestly get a, that's good and I love that, I, get it, get it, please get a Bible, please, please get a Bible, 
have a Bible, bring a Bible, have one in your bag, I've got one in my car. I do often regularly read it on my phone. But I, I, I carry this one, I've got a different one that just sits on a chair at home. I, I read so many books about the Bible, but I want to read the Bible because I want to let the Lord write something on my heart. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. We, we, we learn to do it when we read it and we read it and it becomes honey on our lips. We want to receive the word of God humbly. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, we remember the word of God constantly. I don't know if this is a thing that has passed with generations, but because I, I don't, I didn't see it anymore. Maybe it was just how it was for me. But my grandma and my auntie used to have literally the biggest magnifying glasses under the sun, like huge things, like the size of my Bible. It could start a fire, and uh, it was literally. I'm not even joking. It was literally the size of a side plate. Maybe it was just because I was smaller. It seemed big, but I'm convinced it was big. And and you kind of like every time I'd be like, Grandma, what are you doing? What, what, what are you using that thing for? And, and she's like, I, I need to have a proper C, she'd say. Every time, I need to have a proper C. And I always be like, it's, it's look, not C, Grandma. You pick me up on my grandma, so I'm going to pick you up on yours. But anyway, I need to have a proper C, this huge thing. And she'd hold it up to her eye, and her eye would become massive. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Can I, can I say this? Look carefully. Don't, don't just absorb the thing of culture and the thing of life and the thing that everyone else. Look carefully at the word amid the busyness of lives, all the things we've got to do. We need to stop and look and take time for the word. We need to read it. We need to study it. Don't just be content with a little. Dig into it and dig into it. Deeply. When I when I when our children were little, I um, I read it more than ever on my phone, because it was snippets here and there whilst I was rocking them to sleep, and it's so hard to even catch your breath, let alone read a paper thing when you've got them climbing on your head and literally trying to eat the thing. I mean, we eat the word of God. It's like I've got pages missing. But you, what, what's going to work for you? This isn't. Please don't hear me. This is not today condemnation. Some of you, this will be feeling like condemnation. What are the two things we're often rubbish at? Reading my Bible and praying. Loads of you will say that I'm doing so badly. It's not about that. Don't feel the pain of what you're not and what you haven't. But how sweet your words taste to me that are sweeter. They're like sweeter than honey. Honestly, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm like Winnie the Pooh, I love honey. I'd often, I'd often have a bowl of porridge just so I can have a spoon of honey and almost justify it to myself. But we've got to long for his word. We've got to remember his word constantly. The man who absorbs the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so will not forget what he hears. In James chapter 1, verse 23 to 24, James contrasts this with another man who doesn't remember the word and it's almost a deliberately ridiculous analogy of a person who gazes into a mirror and seconds later couldn't even pick himself out in some kind of police lineup he forgets what he's looked at and James says that's not what we do with the word of God don't forget this thing this command not to forget God's word kind of reminds us of God's people in history in Deuteronomy God gave his law 
the second giving of the law before the people went into the promised land. And Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, contains, I think, one of the most important passages in the history of Israel, and it relates to remembering God's word. It says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you go to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And a couple of chapters later in Deuteronomy, we see God warning his people not to forget again his commands and his decrees. He says this, Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, when you've eaten your fill... Be sure to praise the Lord your God for the land he's given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you don't forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in and when your flocks and your herds have become large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions and where it was hot and dry. He gave you water from a rock and he fed you on manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. And he did this so that you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Don't forget God's word. Let it lodge in your heart and in your mind and have it always before you is kind of what he's saying. Don't forget in the good times when you got the thing that you wanted and you've prayed for and you've longed for. Don't forget it when you're in the dry and the challenging place and it's hard. Basically, don't forget it. Don't forget this thing. Psalm 19 verse 10 says, they're more desirable than gold, it says of the word, even the finest gold, sweeter than honey and even honey dripping from the comb. We've got to memorize it in times of joy, in times of pain, in times of loss, in times of comfort, in times of grief, in times of temptation. Sometimes I just have the, 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 the word of God just pop into my head. The, the, the question is, I guess, we, we need it as a guide, but we also need it as a weapon. And the question I want to ask you is this, do we value the Bible? Do we value it more than the TV reality shows? The songs that we stream on Spotify, the favorite sports team that we understand all their stats for. We, you know, we, I think we tend to commit to memory the things that we value most. And so often we'd say, oh, I'm not very good at memorizing the Bible. And yet we could reel off sports stats that would make Jeff Sterling proud. You know, we can't listen and just leave it. And when we're not together, just leave it. Almost in a variety of ways and a variety of relationships, we ought to encourage each other to hide the word of God in our hearts. And if we don't, we will open God's word and we will see it for the horrible the sin for the horrible evil that he is and we'll see this goodness of God and his gracious provision that we find in Jesus and we'll leave it and we'll go our own way 
and we will not be exposed to the realities of all that he has for us. We receive the God, the word of God humbly. We remember it constantly. Final thing I wanted to mention this morning is we obey it wholeheartedly. James 1.22 is kind of, if I'm honest, it's the thing for me that jumps out of this whole chapter. Don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. If we accept Jesus, we're called to obey Jesus. 1 John 2 verse 4, if someone claims I know God but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in truth. But those who obey God's words truly show it by completely how they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. James is kind of saying, you, you, you are blind to your true spiritual condition if you claim to have heard and received and accepted his word and yet you fail to act on it. You're deceiving yourself. For you think you're right with God because you've listened to the word and maybe you listened intently. But according to James, you're wrong if you don't do what it says. I think the similarities are literally jumping off the page to some of the stuff that Jesus said. Matthew 7, as he's kind of going through some of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter it. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on the rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. This, this is what he's saying. If we just listen to this stuff, but we do nothing, if we don't follow up listening with obeying, your life will end in destruction. I am frighteningly convinced that this stuff is easier to hear and do nothing about but it has to change us we have to move from knowing it to doing it and living it and what does that what does that look like for you when someone cuts you up in the car that one always gets me what does it look like when you're at the sports club and everyone's like go on one more one more come on what does it look like when the pretty ladies dancing next to you in the club? Do people still go clubbing? Is that just like a... I was thinking about it. Is that just like a 90s thing? I'm not that generation, but how, how, how are you doing with, with Instagram? How's the flirt to convert? How's your grumpy levels? All of this has got to go through that filter. Verse 19, slow to get angry. How's your anger? Would colleagues say of you, you're slow to get angry. Would they see that in you? How are you doing with verse 21? Get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. Don't, don't get religious on this stuff, but get more like Jesus. 
We can't just act on the things that agree with our lifestyle and act on the things that are convenient to obey. But when this word confronts, challenges, convicts, or tries to change us, so often we put it aside and we forget it and we don't put that into action. That isn't it. That isn't what he's got for us. That isn't what's going to change you and change this city. This thing has to be planted, embedded in our hearts. A a phrase I think you'll often hear is, I just need to be willing to obey God's word, particularly when it calls me to do something radical in my life and radical in culture. I just need to be willing, that's enough. I don't think it is. If, if, if you listen and you don't do anything, you've not really listened. If you're willing and you don't do anything, you're not really willing. Now, let me, let me just finish, and some of you actually do need to switch off as I say this. Some of you already have, but I, I, I just want to say, some of you need to switch off. I've pushed you far enough. You're like, I, I love you, I'm for you. I want you to see and to know more of Jesus. Some of you, though, you just need a, a little extra shove, and I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to make you feel like you're failing. I'm trying to draw you into the more that is found in obedience, and I believe he has for you. I want to say this. Don't be willing to obey the word. Obey the word. I, I want to say don't be willing to help the poor. Help the poor. I want to say don't be willing to share your faith. Share your faith. Don't, don't be willing to live in purity. Live in purity. We don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Don't get caught in legalism with this. But it says, verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, it's not to trap you. It's not to condemn you. This thing's to free you and to release you. And so often we create a faith that stops at saying, Jesus loves you just the way you are, and Jesus loves you no matter what you do. And there is so much truth in that. And if that's the truth and the only truth that you can receive today and the only thing that you're able to contain, certainly when it comes to saving us from our sins, no matter how horrible they are, Jesus loves you. And, and, and it's beyond anything we deserve or can even understand. But at the same time, Jesus says things like John 15, verse 14. You're my friends if you do what I command. John 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, And all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. John tells us in 1 John 2, verse 4, if, we claimed, if anyone claims I know God but doesn't obey my commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in faith. James tells us glorious blessing is to be experienced in obedience to God's word. And I think that naturally leads us to wonder, how do you obey God's word? The answer is not that you've got to muster up this obedience to the best of your ability. I think, no, the answer is to receive the word of God humbly that he's planted in you and to focus on it, to remember it, to hide it in your heart and in your mind. And when you do this coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit living in you 
and transforming you, that word which initially gave you life and gives you life will work in you and through you and cause you to move into and walk into and follow him in utter obedience. And then we start to learn the things that grieve the Holy Spirit and we start to become uncomfortable with the things that are wrong and we start to become sensitive to the voice of the Father. For some of you, you will have areas right now of outrageous disobedience. Some of you will have areas of delayed obedience. It's almost areas in your life where you've been putting off the truth of the word of God. And you know what God's word says, but you don't want to put it into practice. The word's saying, come and care for the poor, and yet we don't want to. It's saying, turn from gossip, and yet we don't want to. It's saying, turn from pornography, and yet the the law is almost too much. And it says, be reconciled to your spouse and I just want to say if we ignore it and it doesn't fit with sometimes what we want, I just want to have another drink and I want it now. I want to fit in with my mates and culture. I just want to have that sexual experience now. I just want to ask you, will you again fall before God and choose his way? Because when we receive the word of God humbly and we remember it constantly and we obey it wholeheartedly, I think we move into a new realm. There's blessing and power in obedience and there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. And I long for myself, but I long for you, that we would be shaped by him and live in obedience, that he would be our God and we'd be his people and the blessing of God would be upon us. Why don't, why don't we stand together?